Today's show is brought to you by HANA. For the past few years, I've been taking HANA One, an all-natural daily superfood with 30 wild-harvested herbs and adaptogens to improve focus, boost immunity, and increase stamina. HANA also sources the purest, highest-quality ashwagandha and turmeric. To get 20% off your first purchase, visit HANA.com, that's H-A-N-A-H.com, and enter the code CHAMPION20. Hello and welcome to the Champion Conversations podcast, where my co-host, sports psychologist Jim Aframo, and I take you inside the mental game of high performers. If you've ever wanted to learn how elite athletes, coaches, creators, and entrepreneurs use their mindset to overcome setbacks, serve as great leaders and teammates, and achieve their full potential, then you've come to the right place. I'm Phil White, and we're glad you're listening today. Today's guests are Dr. Patricia Donnelly, Roger Schiffman, and Jason Miller. Patricia is the co-founder and executive director of Fairways for Freedom. She is a sports psychotherapist who specializes in performance enhancement for all types of athletes and is trained in mindful yoga therapy for veterans coping with trauma. Roger Schiffman is the co-founder and director of Fairways for Freedom. He was the managing editor of Golf Digest from 1984 to 2013 and continues to write articles for the magazine as a contributing editor. Roger has authored six books, including A Golden 18 with Jack Nicholas and Make Your Next Shot Your Best Shot with Bob Rotella. Jason Miller is a retired United States Air Force veteran who served in both Operation Enduring Freedom and Operation Iraqi Freedom. He was awarded the Air Force Commendation Medal and Joint Service Commendation Medal for Acts of Courage and is now a Fairways for Freedom mental veteran. Patricia, Roger and Jason will be talking with us about Fairways for Freedom, a non-profit that conducts trips to Ireland and Scotland for combat-injured U.S. veterans and veterans-only retreats in the U.S., Well, thanks everyone for joining us today. Phil White and myself, we're so excited to welcome Roger, Patricia, and Jason with us today. We're going to talk about Fairways for Freedom. We're going to talk a little bit about golf, mental health, the military, and a bunch of cool and fun topics. So let me start with you, Roger. Uh, Tell us a little bit about Fairways for Freedom, a little bit what it's about, and, and all the good things that you're doing. Well, thank you, Jim, and thank you, everybody, on the on the call. Uh, as you know, I was with Golf Digest for a very long time, and one of the last things that I was able to do before uh, retiring from the magazine, and this was, what, Patty, in 2012, was I had the opportunity to go on a trip with our Irish affiliate in Dublin with a number of combat injured veterans, and Patty, Dr. Patricia Donnelly, got to go with me. So I was on the trip basically as a reporter uh, to write an article about the experience. And there were other media on the trip as well. Um, But we had, I think, uh, 12 or 14 combat injured veterans. Some of them had spouses with them. And we had probably five or six members of the media included in in the trip. And it was a phenomenal trip. We went all over Ireland. Uh, We played all the best golf courses. We saw some great sights, a lot of culture, a lot of castles, a lot of great music. And, but we met some incredible combat injured veterans. 
And these are some men and women who have really seen the worst of the worst. Um, they, you know, had prosthetics and uh, uh, brain injuries, PTSD. Um, but one of the unifying elements was they were all playing golf. And it was quite an experience to see these men and women uh, overcoming their physical and invisible injuries and with the game of golf. So um, it was a, a life-changing experience for both Patty and me. Um, Patty had, had a, a, um, an incident with one of the veterans, not an incident, but a, uh, an acquaintance. And I don't know if you want to explain that, Patty, because that kind of impacted what happened. Well, yes, when we went on this trip, we thought, well, this is a great opportunity. Um, Linton, Linton Walsh, the publisher of Golf Digest Ireland, uh, when he was telling Roger about the trip and mentioned the veterans, I said, well, Linton, this is quite a coincidence because I had recently become certified as a yoga teacher. And I had gotten in, in the mail, in the actual mail, not an email, a little postcard about, do you want to get certified in the Veterans Yoga Project type of yoga, which was designed specifically for veterans with PTSD? And this intrigued me. Um, my father was in World War II. I suspect he had PTSD, but of course it didn't even have a name back then. And one of the really, I don't know, strange things was that for Roger and me, we didn't know anyone who went to Iraq, who went to Afghanistan. We were completely removed from it. So, you know, when Linton told us about this and the veterans, I'm like, hey, you know, how, how about I come too, Linton, and I can do yoga with the veterans. We can have it as a modality as part of the trip. He loved the idea. So we did that. We started early each morning. I've learned that uh, veterans get up very early in the morning. So we got up early in the morning. Um, we did yoga. And yes, as time went on, we got to know some of the veterans. And it was, at, I don't know, a few days into the trip. One of the veterans looked at me and he said, very nonchalantly, I were talking about golf. And he's like, yeah. I'm really glad that I'm playing golf now, because if there wasn't golf, I would have taken my own life. And it, it honestly knocked me off my feet. And I, I shared this with mm -hmm. Roger. And it was like this whole, this whole trip, which was fun, it was, you know, enjoyable, another golf trip, suddenly became something very different and very serious. And, and we looked at each other and we said, you know, we've, we've got to keep, we've, we've got to make sure these kinds of trips keep happening. So that was what, sort so, of the genesis. Of... So, so what happened, that was in late 2012, and it was a phenomenal trip. It was probably a $500,000 um, value that Linton was able to get for about $50,000. And the reason he was able to do that is he knew all the hotel operators. He had connections with Aer Lingus. Uh, the Irish Tourist Office gave us two coach buses. We, we flew all the veterans over there for free, basically. And, and... and he's such a salesman. Before the trip even happened, like Jermolin Castle was calling him up and saying, will you, will you bring your group here? Yeah, because they wanted <laughs> yeah. to be involved. 
So, so it was a great trip. And, um, and after the trip, we said to Linton, we want to do this again next year. So we tried to do it in 2013. And he said, I can't get everybody to, to chip in like this. They can do it once, but the next time we, we have to pay we have to figure that out. So we didn't do it in 2013, but then 2014, Roger, to figure it out. we came up with this idea of finding people that we call ambassadors. And ambassadors are people that want to give back to our military or patriotic, probably play golf and would like to come on a golf trip accompanying veterans and sponsor the veterans along the way. And so that's, and I went out and I recruited about 10 ambassadors who came on the trip and we had, gosh, we had like 20 veterans on this next trip <laughs> and spouses. And it was a huge deal and wore us out. And we had a, a pretty good trip in 2014. Um, and then in the meantime, Patty and I joined a, a club up in Northwest Ireland called Valley Liffin. It's a fa fabulous place, 36 holes. Jason's familiar with it. He's been there. And the owner of, or manager of Valley Liffin said, why don't you bring your veterans up, your veteran group up? We'd love to host you guys. So I went to Linton and he said, no, it's too far away. It's like a four, four and a half hour drive from Dublin. He didn't want to do it. So Patty and I said, well, we're going to do it on our own. So we created, that's when we decided to create our own charity called Fairways for Freedom. And that way the ambassadors get a tax deduction for their donation. And, uh, and we had a very successful trip in 2015, and we've been doing it ever since. So now we've, we've done 20-something trips. Two, two trips. We do two trips a year. Usually. We've gone to Scotland. We've gone to Ireland. We've a lot. We've gone to Nova Scotia. Um, we also do retreats in Utah at a place called Red Ledges outside of Salt Lake City. Um, and those are just for veterans only without ambassadors. But it's amazing how it's grown. Now, because of COVID, we haven't done trips since 2019. But we do have four planned next year, 2022. Hopefully, COVID will stay at bay and, and we'll be able to do those trips. But, but um, you know, we're pretty excited with what happened. We kind of didn't really foresee what would happen with something like this. Uh, we don't take salaries uh, from the from the charity. We try to break even on the trips. All the money we raise, we put right back into the programs. We have no and paid staff. We have no paid staff. We have some veterans like Jason who volunteer for us, go around and spread the word. We have another uh, Navy SEAL veteran who comes on our trips as our logistics coordinator. Uh, we don't pay him. He just does it because he believes in what we do. He came on a trip and loved it so much. He said, I'll be your logistics coordinator. So uh, that's kind of how it, how it works. And we do a fundraiser once a year now in, in Rhode Island to offset some of our costs because what we charge the ambassadors on these trips doesn't really pay for the trip. So we have to augment that with some, some other funding. And our, our trip in Utah is different in that it's a bit more of a golf school. So a cri one criterion for our veterans is that they'd be combat injured. However, when we go to Ireland, Scotland, Nova Scotia, these are wonderful courses, but they are difficult. So there's also a prerequisite that there's some ability to play golf because we don't want this to become just a frustrating experience. But yet we thought, well, this is leaving out those veterans that don't know how to play golf. So mm -hmm. Roger 
had um, actually I did a lot of ghostwriting for Jim McLean, right? Who has a golf school at Red Ledges where we go, and was able to talk them into a very generous uh, arrangement where we we bring our veterans and they have instruction in the morning, the early afternoon, and then there's a, a beautiful uh, golf park. What is it? Twelve. Twelve hole golf park that Nicholas designed. Par three. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then we play, depending on the, the makeup of the veterans, sometimes we play the big course once or twice. Um, but because there are no ambassadors on that trip, we have to fund that. So the fundraiser also goes mm-hmm. toward that. So you might be wondering, what is, what is a typical day like in one, on one of our trips? So say if we're in Ireland, for example, um, and those are seven-day trips usually. Uh, sometimes there are as many as eight days. And we usually have about 10 to 12 veterans on a trip, three to four to five ambassadors, Patty, myself, um, sometimes a guest psychologist comes on yeah, the trip. Dr. David Joseph, who right. heads up a, a vet center in California. So we start off, uh, wake up early in the morning. Uh, Patty starts off with the yoga, the veterans yoga for what, 45 minutes to an hour. Then we have breakfast. Then you break up into um, some group uh, discussion sessions. You want to which? Well, the yoga um, veterans are required to attend, and ambassadors are invited to attend. So it's optional for them. But then when we go into our group sessions, that's just for the veterans. And uh, I'm not even privy to those. So. Um, you know, you talk about the various issues that different veterans might be dealing with, and they talk to each other and, and open up, and it's, I think, very productive for, for you guys. And then we uh, break for lunch. We have a lunch usually quickly, or maybe we bring a lunch with us if we're taking the coach bus to one of the courses that we're going to play. We play golf all afternoon. We have little competitions. We break up into foursomes and have teams. Um, usually we'll have either 16 players or sometimes 20, as many as 20. 16 seems to be a more ideal number, more manageable. And then we get back, we have a nice dinner, and then we might sit around the fireplace or a, a outdoor fire and talk, you know, and tell some stories and kind of um, uh, build the camaraderie. And sometimes it's slightly more formal. We'll have some sessions dealing maybe with career with some of the ambassadors might sort of lead an informal talk we'll go to the lobby break up into little groups mm-hmm. and then sometimes we go out and hear some great music mm-hmm. or, yeah then we go to bed and wake up the next day and do it all do over it again. and, and uh off and we have three kinds of trips uh red white and blue the red are the ones like um at red ledges in the united states um, for any level golfer can be on those. Uh, white trip is a little more intense where we um, probably stay in one hotel the whole time, but it might not be six rounds of golf. It might be five rounds of golf. And then in the middle, we might do horseback riding or hiking or fishing or, or another activity, group activity. And then we have what we call blue trips, which are a little more intense where we play harder golf courses. We might go to two different hotels and uh, it's a little more rigorous so um we we think uh you know we've hit on something we feel we're pretty unique um in that this combination of what patty does and what i bring to the equation is is kind of fun yeah we've learned that a lot of charities um offer great experiences for the veterans be it fishing or whatever 
um, where they go and partake in the activity and have a good time and then it's over. But I think the whole therapeutic element where we have golf and um, of course I'm always telling Roger that these aren't golf trips. I think they're golf trips. They're healing trips. Golf is the intervention. It really could be anything, but but golf is but golf is especially great. Yeah, talk to us a little bit more about the the, the moda- modalities and the combination that you mentioned using yoga as a separate modality. You know, to kind of start the day and and set intention for the day, and then obviously all of us know the meditative um, aspects of golf for for those that are not combat and injured veterans. But then also talk a little bit about just bringing in your many years of expertise in psychology in and uh, and how you'll be able to, uh, to to bring that expertise to bear through these dual modalities. Yes, that's very much what we what I hope we're doing on each of our trips. So we, we try to see it as as synergy where they're all helping each other. So yes, in in, gal, in yoga to start. Um, especially the, this type of yoga designed for people with PTSD. It is a very meditative kind of yoga. So there's that whole um, notion of mindfulness, of meditation. And when we do the different poses of balance, so then we go into our groups. And I would say, I think, Jason, you'd agree that a lot of the themes of whatever topic it might be are about balance, finding balance in one lives in one's life. I, I I've learned a, a lot of veterans um, are good at a hundred and at zero, and and finding a, a balance um, in in whatever is a is a useful goal. So we talk about a balance there, mindfulness. You know, being in the present. I, I had a veteran look at me once in session and say. You know, I traveled around the whole world, and, and he did. He was a special operations guy, and he said, I've traveled the whole world, and I didn't see a thing. And I said, well, you know, we're kind of glad you didn't because you were focusing on something else. You know, that wasn't your job. But, but it's really quite profound for them to sort of be in the, to be in the present, to not be anticipating what's going to happen next. Okay, so of course that builds from the, the yoga. We talk about these things in group session and, and golf. I mean, it, it's such a microcosm of life. I mean, we're better. I mean, even to the, when we're talking about balance, well, yeah, you need balance in the golf swing, just as we talked about in the, in the yoga movements. Um, being in the present, absorbing the here and the now is so important in golf to, you know, to free our mind when we're actually swinging that club so that we're not being overly analytical, you know, getting into that present, forgetting the future, forgetting the past. And, you know, of course, that, that ties into, into PTSD, into, into TBI. So, yeah, these, these three elements, the yoga, the group sessions, and and the golf, they, they all have the same theme. They all reinforce each other. And I've also found um, with golf, so some of what we do is we might talk about the various techniques. So for example, um, emotional regulation. And 
what better place to practice that than on a golf course? <laughs> because in 18 holes, that is going to become a challenge at some point. So then to talk about that afterwards and to talk about, okay, what worked, what didn't work, and then the big leap. And I usually don't even have to say it because these guys are very smart. They're like, yeah, that's true. And you know how this would really help me in my everyday life? You know, so we kind of get into these things sort of from the side door or the back door. And it not only, I think, makes it easier, but, you know, makes it more relevant, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Jim, with your experience in, in working with golfers, even, <laughs> and, and you mentioned kind of, uh, you know, co course management, right, Roger? And correct me if the terminology is wrong there. So really... Um, being able to ration your energy expenditure mentally, emotionally, and physically over a long day on the golf course in and of itself for somebody that doesn't have a TBI or isn't suffering from PTSD <coughs> or chronic anxiety or stress or depression or accommodation thereof is challenging enough. Jim, just from what um, Roger and Patricia are saying, what is your kind of um, perspective as a, as a, you know, you and Patricia, obviously fellow clinicians as psychologists, what's bubbling to the surface for you as we talk about some of these things? Yeah, the, I mean, all of this is music to my ears in terms of supporting veterans, in terms of using golf as a vehicle for wellness and healing, um, going on, you know, amazing uh, bucket list trips uh, where, you know, guys could feel part of a team again. And, and then having great conversations. Yoga is fantastic. When I was working with the San Francisco Giants, uh, they started implementing yoga and the players really took to that, not only for flexibility, but mental flexibility. And um, so I'm just loving all this. And, and I do want to get Jason involved. He has probably the coolest office I've ever seen. <laughs> it looks, looks fantastic uh, from our perspective here. Jason, when did you get hooked up with... Uh, with Fairways for Freedom and, and tell us a little bit about your experiences so far. Sure. Uh, first, thanks, Phil and Jim, for having me. And Roger and Patricia, it's great seeing you as always. Um, don't let the office fool you. It's just, you know, <laughs> I, I love me room, I guess you could say. Um, so just a real quick, brief history on myself. Uh, I grew up in Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania. Uh, went to a small, small school, then went on to college for education. And then after I finished my finals, my buddy asked me what I was going to do in my life. I was planning on teaching. He mentioned the military. I figured, you know, why not? I'm not sure what I want to do yet. I mean, I knew I wanted to go into teaching, but I wasn't quite sure if I was ready to start life. And I thought being a patriot and why not give back to our country? My grandparents, uh, grandfathers both served, uh, grew up in a military law enforcement family. So I thought this would be a good way for me to give back. Uh, joined the military in 1998. Uh, my plan was four years, get out, and then go ahead and start teaching. Obviously, 9-11 happened, and that's when everything changed, not only for me personally, but the world as we know it. Um, that evening, I was tasked to go up to Ground Zero in New York. And then shortly after, about nine days later, a small group of us were on a plane to an undisclosed location. So that was the beginning of my military career or really near the end of my military career as far as I was going to, I was going to get out in 2001. But since that happened, I ended up spending the next, I did pull it in full 20 years into the military. And in that time I did four combat tours, uh, two in Afghanistan and two in Iraq, and then other different missions throughout my career. Um, after my last deployment in 2008, I, I noticed my relationships 
really everything in my life was just slowly, slowly going the wrong way. Um, I guess I tried to, like many, many of us in the military, men and women both, we were trained so hard to suppress emotions and feelings to complete a mission. So I was still on that, you know, mindset of mission oriented and there's no self-care. I got to a point in 2012, 2013, that I did take an attempt at my life. It was difficult. I still struggle. I still have issues. I still suffer. But healing for me is an ongoing process. And I think I think for all of us, um, as as dark as that moment was, and I, and I often say this, it's not that I necessarily wanted to die. I just didn't know how to live anymore. And seeing the pain um, that I caused in my family's eyes, especially my mother, because she found me. At that moment, I realized that I owe it not only to her and my other family members and myself, but to the men and women we lost in combat. So in that moment, I decided I need to reach out and get help. Fast forward. Um, so I went to a, an in-treatment program. I met a lot of uh, other similar men in, in this particular program that were having similar experiences that I was going through. At the time, you always think you're alone and no one, you know, and especially as men, uh, you know, men don't talk. We talk about sports, women and our jobs. You know, we don't really talk. So this is the first opportunity that I, I didn't feel so alone. And I knew I could, you know, I had other people that were in similar situations. Like you think back to the events of 9-11, as tragic as that day was, I think it was probably one of the most beautiful days I can remember in our country. The days after, the camaraderie, the union, the unity amongst men and women throughout our country was beautiful to see. And that's been missing. I still feel that's missing a lot in our culture today. So a gentleman that I served with reached out to me and mentioned this organization, this nonprofit called Fairways for Freedom that um, does these golf trips. I was fairly new to the game of golf as far as um, I really pick up some clubs, play here and there. But what I found, it allowed me, one, to spend time with my father and my brother, which I really enjoyed. And I realized when I am golfing, as frustrating as the game can be, I wasn't thinking about anything else. I was just truly enjoying my time in nature and the time spent with the people I was golfing with. So when my buddy James Connors told me about Fairways for Freedom, I applied. Um, Patricia reached out almost immediately, I believe, which for me personally, the personal connection and the intimacy and the, the smallness of Fairways for Freedom drew me to it. Um, you know, you have these big conglomerate organizations that are bringing in hundreds of millions of dollars, but there's no personal personal connection there. And that's one thing, and I've grown to know Roger and Patty over the years now, and as they both know, they, they've changed and potentially is part of why I'm still here today because of what they develop and what they allow for us men and women that go through this program. And there's not enough words that I can thank them to say, but for me, my, my, my duty, my responsibility is to spread the message of hope and let them know that there are organizations and especially people like Roger and Patty that don't necessarily have the time or the money, but they have the heart. And that is 
speaks volumes to the, the men and women that went through your program so far. So I'm, I'm beyond grateful to be part of it. And uh, I'm willing to talk more and more, but I'll let you ask some questions and we'll, we'll get oh, back. It's great. Yeah. Thank you. Well, first of all, thank you so much for your service and thank you for, for, for deciding to serve for, and then for deciding to extend your commitment to, uh, to defend liberty and freedom and the values that we all hold dear. So truly do appreciate that, Jim. And I, um, you mentioned being uh, being kind of, as Jim would say, where your feet are, being fully present in the moment when you're on the golf course. Can you describe a little bit how it quiets your mind, how it puts you firmly in the present when you're out there, whether it's on the fairway or even in a bunker, maybe yeah, <laughs> on the green? Absolutely. absolutely. And it goes back to like Roger and Patty were speaking. The re Another reason I love this organization and for me personally, because I've been through and I helped run a, a nonprofit uh, post-traumatic stress program out in California. And it's very intensive in treatment. But the beauty of Fairways for Freedom is that we do each start each day with yoga and mindfulness. So we've already started our day on a positive, with a calming intention. And then we go into our group therapy sessions where we sit with the other men or women in the group and we get to share collectively whatever we may be talking about, those traumas. So it starts off light in the morning, kind of sets the intention for today. And then we get into our group sessions, which can be very emotional, impactful and powerful. But I feel that's, a, that's the moment where we come together because we're wired for connection. That's what us, we need this humans. We need this connection. And so much of, especially the men and women in the military, our identity is so wrapped up in what we did in the military. And that's how we identify, we lose who we are as a human, I feel. So the connection starts building during these group sessions. And then we get to go on the course and have a, you know, a good time. Not only do we have a good time, like we mentioned, it's, it's such a microcosm of life because you're gonna have good shots, you're gonna have bad shots. You get highs and lows on the course, just like in life, but you're celebrating together and it's an individual sport, but yet you're amongst people that in this situation, your peers that you admire and you get to spend that, that time and quality with them. So not only do I have to be in the mindset or in the box prior to a shot and think of all the things I have to do, which is very, relates very much to a military or a mission. You know, I decided to lay down my weapons and pick up golf clubs. And that was probably the best thing I've ever done for myself because now I have a new set of weapons, a new set of tools, and I still have all the frustrations and that golf brings to you, but the joy and the camaraderie of knowing I get to share this with the men and women that also serve, even though we didn't serve together, we have that connection. And the ambassadors that Roger and Patty pick or get to come on these trips, they usually have some kind of connection as well with the military or whether it's personal relationships, um, one one lady in particular, a uh, beautiful beautiful woman named Anne, she lost her husband in the towers of 9/11, and uh, we got to share 9/11 2019 Nova Scotia with Anne and the guys, and to bring the civilian world into our world. It, it was such an impactful, beautiful moment to share that experience with her. Cause I think there's a disconnect between the civilian and the military cultures. And it, as hard as it is for us to explain and share our stories, it makes it very uncomfortable for the people listening. So I, I often imagined like how uncomfortable it must be for them to hear when I speak of my attempt. 
So again, going back to the golf course, setting up that shot, Phil, when you're there, all you're thinking about in that moment is that shot. You take the shot, hopefully it goes straight. For me, normally it goes right. And you just, but you got to continue on. And the ultimate goal is to get it in the hole for that day. So it really puts you in the mindset of in that moment. And so often we forget to just live in the moment. And we're like Patty mentioned earlier, we have the anxiety of what the future is. We have the depression of the past. So for me, it's it's the greatest gift that I've been given as far as, and it, it keeps me active and it keeps me engaged. So. You know, Jason is self-deprecating about his golf. He's really improved a lot since he's been coming on our trips. In fact, didn't you uh, just break 80, Jason? I did break 80 for the first time this year. It's really amazing. I mean, 79 isn't that impressive. Really come a long way in your golf game, and it doesn't just go right anymore. I think you've solved that problem. um, Jason, how did you play on the back nine, though? (laughs) <laughs> that's the first dad joke of the day oh yeah there it is we may as well yeah well roll that's your, another fun thing though about this <laughs> is the ribbing a lot of the athletes that i've worked with that are former athletes or military guys or others they miss the ribbing you know they miss the jokes they miss the camaraderie that you talked about jason so yeah absolutely yeah so it's fun you know being able to heckle each other but then also root for each other like you said golf is an individual sport but kind of in a team atmosphere especially the way that, you know, Fairways for Freedom does it. And so that's just great. Everyone gets to appreciate the good shots and kind of laugh off the bad shots. Exactly. I'm glad you brought that up because I I was going to say that is what we've developed over the years is we come up with these little competitions and we have prizes every evening. And it it could only be maybe a sleeve of Pro V1s or uh, some Irish socks or whatever it is, but you wouldn't believe how important winning some of these prizes are to some of these veterans. And the ambassadors, too, um, who are paying a lot of money, you know, to come on one of these trips and they get a little something and they, they, it means everything to them. Well, they especially but, love the shamrock socks. Yes. Oh, they there you go. Shorts and brandish those shots. They like that better than the Irish crystals. So yeah. I, I think more so. socks it will be. I think Jason has a pair of those, in fact. <laughs> when, you, when you predominantly put a bunch of alpha males or, or, you know, or just people that are leaders and mission oriented. And then you get them in collectively in a room or an environment that Roger, a safe environment that Roger and Patty created for us. It, it, it's really just, for me, again, I only can speak from my experiences, but uh, this program encompasses everything that I, I've been searching for because of the yoga and the mindfulness. I get the group sessions and then we get golf. And for me, golf is, it's now my passion and my hobby and it's my outlet. And it's, it's for, it's just something that it's, it's addictive as those who do go and it can get very expensive as well. So, but you can never master it. And that's, I think for us or for me, it's, it's one thing that you'll never, you'll never be able to master it, but you can continue to play and there's longevity in the game. And I, that's another thing for me. It, it gives you hope. It gives you hope that, Hey, it can get better. And I get to spend more time with the people I care about. And the program itself, some of the my closest friends now I've met through Fairways for Freedom. And the other beautiful thing that I love about Fairways for Freedom, a lot of these nonprofit programs that you attend, they give you an amazing experience, whatever that experience may be. And then here's your t-shirt. Thank you. Hope you had a good time. Mm-hmm. As we're through COVID and everything else, Roger and Patty have been setting up monthly Zoom call meetings. They've kept us engaged throughout. Um, like they mentioned earlier, there's no salaries taken. This is all just truly from the, the generosity of our donors, our sponsors, 
and people like Roger and Patty and yourself for putting on this podcast to allow us to spread the word. So thank you for that. Oh, it's great. Um, Jason, you mentioned the ability to spend time not just with, with existing friends and new friends, but also with some family members as well. Can you tell us a little bit about how that's maybe brought you together closer as a family? That, it's, it's funny you just mentioned that, Phil, because my father just on the 8th of November went in for his second hip replacement, but he mm. waited until golf season i'm in north <laughs> hey that's good yeah i just saw it, the, a new lad hamilton documentary and we, we got the had the pleasure of it of me i worked with lad for a number of years but interviewing him again and in the documentary called take every wave he puts off hip surgery um and, and his his toe-in partner said well actually toe-in foiling they're doing out there now is their new newer thing and and his partner was saying well Laird, how are you going to go out and surf jaws you can't even you know piahi um yeah. You can't even walk to the jet ski without your, your without limping. So yeah, good good for your de- him and Laird share a share a dedication to the craft. That's great. Well, and and so usually when I go, it's with my my brother. He's four years older than me, and my father. And I tell you what, Phil, watching him put a tee in the ground was it took that took longer than the shot itself. It took him like ten minutes to put the tee. So I'm trying to develop something to help him put a tee in. So, but the game of golf has truly brought my brother and my father closer um you know we had a i've always had a great relationship growing up uh very loving but something through the game of golf again it allows me to spend that those quality time in both my brother and my father and uh it's something that you know golf when you you meet someone and you see they're wearing a hat or something golf related you instantly have a connection, you know, they, they golf and you can start talking about courses or shots. And it's kind of a way for my father and I, we start to call, but sometimes it'll lead into a little more serious conversations and, and allow us both to open up and, and kind of express one another what we're going through and some of the frustrations even that we see on the course, but it's usually stemming from home life or somewhere else. So oh, that's again, great. Such a gift. I love that. How are you able to lateralize some of the, the skills you're either learning or relearning or developing on the course, such as maybe breath control, um, you know, put it, putting things into perspective rather than catastrophizing, looking at situations objectively rather than over emotionally? How, how does that translate when you're no longer on the trip and you're no longer on the golf course? That's a, that's a great question. I literally just left my therapist yesterday and we were talking about breath control and and things I need to do to help regulate myself. And she, she knows my passion for golf and I still, still struggle with, um, safety issues and concerns, uh, road rage, just different things in my environment that I'm unable to personally control ex, you know, external factors. Uh, I, I just use the road as an example. So when I find myself maybe in traffic, I, I literally take breaths. We do breath work that Patricia teaches us in our yoga, certain breath works, four, six techniques, different, different breathing techniques that we can use. And I'll actually implement them as I'm driving or I try to avoid stores for the most part with large crowd. But if I'm in a store, I start getting overwhelmed. And I often go back to breath and same with setting up a golf shot. You know, you need sometimes just to back off, take a breath and then go back and hit your shot. Because if you're doing it in the middle of everything, you, well, you, we all know how it's like when anxiety is building up and more thoughts and pressure. You just, 
but that breath is it's something that you know really centers me along with I, I meditate as well so I do a, a morning morning daily meditation practice which has been beneficial yeah I love that Patty what's your perspective on the role of breath in terms of being able to reset the nervous system to regulate emotions to find focus in chaotic situations it's extremely powerful and it is something that is evidence-based it's a way that really we are tricking our mind into thinking that we are relaxed when we're not so we get that message there slowing down our breath and our body says to our brain hey we must be relaxed yeah it, it's simple one can do it anywhere and it's it's very effective I love that you brought up the the idea of it, the notion that um, it, it's a truly portable practice, as Jason alluded to as well, that certain practices or modalities, you need equipment or you need to be in a fixed location, whereas with the breath, it's the most elemental thing we do as humans. And, and it's something that we, we always, ha always have with us, we always have access to. And as you said, um, we know from our work with uh, Patrick McKeown, and you know, the Buteco uh, breathing expert from Ireland, that as little as two to three minutes can really, as you said earlier, take you from 100 and be able to, to downregulate the autonomic nervous system a little bit and get you out of that sympathetic or fight or flight or free state more into a parasympathetic state so pretty powerful um i'm curious roger you mentioned for you it's it's more of a golf trip what um what are your observations um obviously we've had a bit of insight from jason with with the life experiences and combat experiences that he's had and um patty's given us some some kind of insight and jim as well into the the kind of clinical perspective but for you as a um you're, you know, a people person, you know, we're both writers, we're both interviewers, um, we're in the business of, of talking to people. What is your perspective on, on the trip and some of the maybe the before and after changes you see both in individuals and the group dynamic? And just, you've been on many golf trips with many golfers of different stripes over the years. Just what, what's your overall perspective on the whole experience? Well, I'm not a PGA professional, but I, I'm a pretty decent player, and I think I've and I've written a lot of instruction articles and a couple of instruction books, so I know quite a bit about the swing in the game. And I try to help the veterans in the morning before or just before we tee off with their game if they want. I can give some instruction um, without getting them thinking too mechanically, of course. But um, it, nothing gives me more pleasure than to see a veteran go from hitting a wild slice to a pretty much tamed shot that he can keep in the fairway or she can keep in the fairway and enjoy the game a lot more. Um, you know, a number of the veterans that come on our trips, they're, they're not that experienced golfers, but they're big and strong and they can hit it far. And it's more about trying to change their concept of what the game is all about. It's not caveman golf. It's not you're not on a driving range trying to hit it as far as you can hit it, and then you lose, you know, a ball on every other hole because it's going into the into the fescue or whatever. But um, and that gives me a lot of pleasure to see some of these veterans learn how to really play golf and keep the ball in front of them, and you know, play to the safe side of the green, try to keep it out of one of those terrible bunkers in Ireland or Scotland, and and uh, and try to shoot a score. So. Um, that, that gives me a lot of pleasure. I can think of numerous examples of veterans who have really improved from the first day of the trip to the last day of the trip in only seven days. And, uh, and then if 
we have one or two come back on a subsequent trip, it's really interesting to see their progress because what's happened is they've gotten hooked on the game. I don't know whether we hooked them on the game or being in a great place to play golf, hooked them, whatever, but they are, they're hooked. And now they, they practice, they hit hundreds of balls a week. And when we see them again, it's amazing the transformation. Um, we had a, a, a veteran who came on one of our uh, retreats in Utah, never had touched a club before. And we got him to where he could play decently enough to he could go to Ireland and play. And nothing gives me more pleasure than to see something like that. Um, I, I think that one of the things that's so beautiful about our trips is Patty can give them a sports psychology technique in the morning in one of your sessions, and they can put it to use that afternoon immediately. And, and that's really remarkable to be able to take something in theory and put it right into practice that very day. And I, I think we get a lot of positive feedback about that. Oh, I love that. Yeah, one, one technique I do, you, you mentioned, Phil, about portable. Um, a lot of these techniques are, well, they're mental, so they're always with you. But one of the techniques we talk about in session is changing one's attention from broad to narrow. Night Effer, who I'm sure you're familiar with, Jim, came up mm -hmm. with this. And it's so useful on the golf course. In fact, you know, golfers I work with, one of the most important things to do is to you know, give yourself a mental vacation out there on each hole because no, nobody can grind all those hours, hall after hall. So, so to walk down <coughs> that fairway and have this very broad view, this very broad attention, something not to do with golf. And of course, in Ireland, it's very easy. You know, you look at the, the sea, you look at the cows in the distance, you maybe share a joke with the caddy, They're very easy to do. But then, of course, when you're over the ball, you've got to narrow it. And I actually think this is one of maybe one of the best techniques for somebody experiencing suicidal ideation. Because just to change one's perspective, just to go from being inside to walking outside is, is often enough for one to say, well, well what, what am I doing here? And it's so easy, you know, the cliche paralysis by analysis, well, it can happen. We get so narrow. We think our problem, our situation is all that there is in the whole world. And again, just walking outside, seeing the rest of the world, looking at a person, and getting this broader perspective can make all the difference. So yeah, I mean, that is something we can do in session and we can do, it can certainly help their golf game and it's a good thing to have in your back pocket. I mean, Jason can speak to that from personal experience. Yeah, I, mean, I, was, I was gonna say, well, two, two quick stories. One, going back to you, Phil, and yes, and Roger, being as humble as Roger is saying that, you know, he's not on the PGA Tour, so. New to the yeah, game. No, I was going to call him on that, but let's call him on that now. <laughs> so me being new to the game of golf, not only am I getting to experience these visually, uh, you know, amazing, beautiful courses. And I remember I, I did get to go into Ireland and I was standing on the one hole and there's just a rainbow. There's just a rainbow there and we're on the green and I, I was just crying. Like tears were coming down my face and 
one was for being so grateful that I was getting to have this experience, but then the other was just thinking about the men and women that are no longer here, you know, that didn't get this chance or may never, you know, won't get this chance. And you, and you hear numbers and I'm not accurate with the numbers, but you think post 9-11, roughly less than 10,000 men and women have died in combat since 9-11, over 150,000 men and service member, women and men taking their own lives. I mean, that's, it, you think of that number. So it, it's just the idea and me standing there, especially after having an attempt, knowing here I am in this beautiful place with amazing human beings and I get to play the game of golf, which I now love. It's just, it, it was just overwhelming, but so, so humble and grateful. And uh, they, they provided that opportunity for me. So going back to Roger, I got, I got the opportunity to play with him out at Red Ledges in Utah. And that's uh, one of Jack Nichols' signature courses, which Roger's helped writ written one of his books. And just very nonchalantly, you'll, Roger doesn't tweak you when you're playing your game and just give you a little, hey, maybe try this, try that. But he casually said, let me show you what Jack showed me. And I'm thinking, Jack. He means Jack Nichols. I mean, this is <laughs> this guy. He's talking about Jack Nichols. So we're playing the part three. Or we're playing the one course, and uh, I had uh, the honor to ride with Roger. And I said, "Hey, Roger, I'm assuming you, you you've probably had a hole in one in your career, have you?" He goes, "I have." We go up to the next hole. Hole in one. Roger hits a hole in one. Wow. I'm like, God, there's a little pond. I'm ready to run in and jump in the pond for him. <laughs> I was so excited. I'm uh, I'm jumping up and down, and Roger again, very humble, just you know, was excited, but just walks up and picks his ball out, and I'm like, holy! That, I is, that is a true story. But, but but what what Jason brings up, uh, it's 22 a day veterans who take their own lives. Mm. Maybe 21, 20, depending on the source. It's basically 22 a day. Patty and I decided to create a program. Uh, inspired by one of the veterans who was on a, on our very first trip, um, whose name is Lieutenant Carolyn Foda. And we created this program. It's called Play 18 for 22. 18 for 22. So what it is, and Jason has helped to uh, promote this idea. We started it last year. We asked um, veterans who've been on our trips to go around the country at different courses that they happen to be near and set up a table at the course with our materials and whatever. And we had these brochures called Play 18 for 22. And the idea was that when the golfer got finished playing the round, they would do something on the 18th green to commemorate the 22. It could be 22 push-ups. It could be 22 jumping jacks. It could be whatever they decide to do. And it was inspired because Lieutenant Colonel Carolyn Foda, who was playing with Patty, at Old Head in a driving rainstorm, it was so wet. It was, I, I actually went in. It was in, so bad, Roger walked. I walked in after the 16th hole. The only hole. time I've ever seen him do that. I never <laughs> walked in, but I, I couldn't hold on the club. It was flying out of my hand. But <laughs> Patty and Lieutenant Colonel Carolyn Foda and their caddy stuck Much it out. to the dissatisfaction of our caddy. Yeah, but they stuck <laughs> it out. And on the 18th green, when they were done, Carolyn jumped down to the, to the ground and did 20, 22 push-ups. She did 21 plus one for the soldier who's never forgotten, is what she mm. said. And so that's why we created this Play 18 for 22. And it's basically to 
um, create awareness of this veteran suicide epidemic that's still ravaging our country. So um, the idea is you have that we have a we created a hotline, a phone number, um, where you can call that number and find a veteran in your area to go ask to go out and play a round of golf with. Oh wow! And so that's that's the program. Uh, we, we launched it Veterans Day last year and it's, it's still going. So, yeah, there's uh, in the uh, ultra distance running uh, community, uh, there's something called uh, Road Warrior or uh, Road Angels, actually. And mm -hmm. it's just, you know, you're running out there. It could be a 200 mile race. And, you know, someone that just happens to drive by might give you a water bottle or buy something at the convenience store. And so I'm thinking that, uh, man, you guys are, are uh, fairway angels. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate all that you do. I know Phil and I do. And, and then Jason as well with just serving in the military and, and, you know, sharing your story with us, uh, I think can help a lot of people. Um, what is your, you mentioned one of Roger's signature shots, the hole in one, which, you know, he, he likes to show off a little bit there. And, <laughs> and we also need to plug his new book with Bob Rotella, uh, make your next shot, the, your best shot, which is a great title and a great way to look at life. Um, um, as well, but, uh, what are some, uh, do you have a favorite shot, uh, favorite highlight on the golf course, Jason, that you want to share with us? Oh, wow. That's, that's a difficult question. Um, there's just so many, I bet. Well, there's not a lot of great shots to think about, but a lot of great courses that we went to. Um, we did get the opportunity to go to Nova Scotia and play Cabot links and cliffs and, uh, the signature hole on the cliffs. I got to play with, with a good friend of mine now, um, that went through the program as well, Tracy. And he was in my group and all I cared about that day, we had sideways winds and rain that day as well, but I just wanted to get on the green on the par three on the 17th on the signature hole. And I did that. So that was a highly successful shot and day for me there. So that, that'll be one I remember. And uh, yeah, that was a great, incredible hole. Yeah. And that was a terrible weather that day. Yeah, that was something. But, but Jim, back to you. I, I, there's not a shot because I haven't had a hole in one, but there's definitely, there's more moments and just the idea that I get to experience these, like we mentioned, courses, which I feel guilty about. Here, here I am pretty fairly new to the game of golf, but I've played some of the nicest courses in the world, thanks to Fairways to Freedom, and I get to meet these men and women that get to do it with me. So I would say it's more about the people than the game for me, but uh, I definitely... You know, I look forward to talking to you another time and I can tell you maybe hopefully about a hole in one ad or maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe Jim can take you down the road from him to Bandon Dunes. Jim, do you want to share oh, a little bit about, about that uh, and why you so, love that? Yeah, I moved from Phoenix, a nice golf destination in and of itself, to uh, to Eugene, Oregon, uh, oh, where I went to undergrad it. at University of Oregon. And uh, so I made a couple treks down to Bandon Dunes and yeah, I felt like, you know, just uh, just you mentioned the word gratitude, uh, the whole round of golf. I uh, played Cheap Ranch and then also Band and Dunes, yes. the original course. And, uh, you know, everyone just seems to be floating down the fairways there because everyone's just in a good mood. It's just golf. It's dream golf. And what a what a special treat. Um, but yeah, golf just, you know, and just meeting people from all over the world that are there and everyone's smiling in a good mood. And so, I, I you know, I love gratitude. I love that we're talking about mindfulness, connection, teamwork, um, you know, just being present. Uh, there's just so many great lessons in here for, for how to live life. And um, Phil and I have a new book out called The Leader's Mind. So, uh, you know, we're really excited about that. Jason, any stories from the military about teamwork or leadership that you want to share with the audience? 
Uh, I know, you know, Roger and his wife, Patricia, are just great leaders in terms of, you know, fairways for freedom and teammates. Yeah. Um, But any favorite uh, teamwork or leadership lessons from the military for our audience? I I think for for me, I don't want to talk any specific, um, you know, details of any missions or Mm -hmm. anything that I've experienced. But the overwhelming theme that I've learned post-military, I guess, knowing back is, is truly this, the human connection that I mentioned earlier. And, and especially for men, vulnerability. You know, I suffered in silence for so long thinking that I was the burden and I didn't want to put that on other people, only to realize when I was finally vulnerable and opened up about how what I was going through, my experiences, it actually gave permission to many other men and women that I spoke with that they were also going through these experiences. So in that moment, it took me from feeling completely alone to realizing I have a tribe and a network of people that are also going through, you know, maybe their trauma was different, but yet it's still trauma. And we all collectively have something to offer and give. And uh, there's hope out there. And I often quote Gandhi and it says, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. And that's, that's a kind of a mantra I I tell myself each day and I will continue, hopefully, to pay it forward and, and get the word out and get as many men and women out there the help that they so rightly need and deserve. And I, I think, really, if, if you're suffering or you're struggling with, with whatever that may be, find someone that you can trust and, and talk to them because chances are that person may need you just as much as you need them, and they'll be there to help or at least put you in the right direction. So this is just another Thank you. so powerful, and, and you do embody that. Raja mentioned earlier about sometimes a veteran comes on another trip, and, and we do have this program of mentor veterans, of people mm. like Jason, who are so valuable in, in doing what you just said, Jason, to, to set the tone, to take the risk in group, to let other people know. And in fact, I, I usually begin my first group therapy session by saying, that the hardest part of my job is done in, in recruiting the veterans. I have a, a form they go through and you know, there's some back and forth so that, that the people coming, um, you know, we want people to be in need but not in so much need that it's too much for them. For example, some people might not want to get on an airplane um, or move around in a hotel. So, but, but to get people there that, that are, want to heal and are ready to heal. And I kind of just sit back and let it happen. And, and Jason, I, I know how often have we seen where, where these veterans within maybe 20, 30 minutes, they're sharing things with each other that they have not told anyone. And, and many of them, you know, with great relationships with their families, their parents, their, their wives, but this is not something anybody else can relate to. But the common denominator of these combat injured veterans, I mean, they, they just know. And I mean, and I, and I don't, but I, I see it happening. They know and they have this connection, which is, is just remarkable. Yeah, I, I love the idea of uh, uh, never suffer alone and always have a go-to person. And uh, Fairways for Freedom is really providing that for so many military folks. Um, well, and, and what so happens too, Jim, is that after a trip is over, 
there's a lot of texting and you talk about smack talk and whatever ahead of time. You should see it afterwards. <laughs> it gets worse. Uh, so, yeah. And so there'll be like a text chain of, the, of all 10 veterans or 12 for together each for each trip. And they maintain that camaraderie for months after. Years. And, uh, yeah. Years. Wow. You're right. I mean, we've even tried to create a, a, a reunion trip, you know, mm. for the same group of guys to go on a trip together or try to create a trip where the guys that all serve together would go on one trip. Yeah, we have done that. We have done that. Very powerful. We, yeah, it was recommended to us by one of the veterans. Um, on He said, you know, who came on a trip, said, hey, I'd love to come back and bring all the guys I served with together. And we created that. So, um, you know, it's really interesting how that how that evolves. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention when you're talking about Bandon mm -hmm. and the caddies there, um, mm -hmm. And Mike Kaiser, who owns Band, and he he owns uh, the Cabot Cliffs and Cabot Links, and um, you know one reason we went there too, and uh, we're trying to create a, a relationship with Mike as well. Um, but the caddy experience is like no other. If you're especially if you're in Scotland or Ireland, and uh, we try to cultivate that, um, make sure that we have caddies for every group, and and every veteran gets that experience of walking if they're able to walk walking the golf course with a caddy and listening to the banter and the jokes and the, the humor, which, you know, you just don't get anywhere else. And uh, we even have it, it in Valley Liffin on the one of the final nights of our trip. We'll they have really look forward to our veterans. It's, be, it's become a, a, a tradition that the caddies come and have dinner with us um, that, that one night. And so we'll have a big group dinner. The corp, this is pre-COVID, but a group dinner of, you know, 30 people with all the caddies together. And, and uh, it's really a, a great experience for everybody. Yeah, that's well, great. Yeah, I was, uh, I think Phil was just about to say that he's willing to sponsor Jason, Roger and uh, Patricia and I to uh, Royal Dornick, uh, uh, the golf trip to Royal Dornick, or we'll take, uh, you know, maybe Pine Valley or something. But. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> for my, my boss. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Yeah, I, I, Jim, it's funny you say that. I was actually going to ask whereabouts in Scotland you've been and what that experience was like for all three of you. Dornick was one of the courses. We went, up the, okay. we went up the coast. We finished at, um, at Kings Barnes, and uh, we had such a big group, we weren't able to get on to St. Andrews. But we did, at the end of our round at Kings Barnes, we jumped in the coach bus. We had about 30 minutes of daylight left. So we zipped down. I made everybody get out at the 17th hole. We got onto the Swilkin Burn Bridge. We took our pictures. And just before the sun went down, and we got back on the bus and we went back up to Kings Barnes for our that final was a night. Trip. We were cast Stewart. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it was really uh, all, the, all the great courses there yeah. up the east coast of Scotland. Beautiful. Um, yeah, about six, seven courses there. Aberdeen. Aberdeen as well. Yeah. yeah. Now we, we try to go to the, the really top quality first class courses. Um, for one thing, it's it's easier for me to attract ambassadors to come on on those trips if they say, say they're going to play a course they've never played before or a bucket list course. And the way we do it, Patty recruits the veterans and I recruit the ambassadors. We've divided it up that way. So she vets the veterans, make sure, you know, that they're like she said, you know, able to come on one of these trips. I vet the, the ambassadors. So um, we, we want to be sure these are top quality people who are not just looking for a quick vacation mm -hmm. or are not just 
they don't just want bragging rights to say, oh, I rub shoulders with this combat injured veteran. We want to be sure they truly have these veterans' needs um, at heart. And, and to speak to that real quickly, um, some of the ambassadors that I had the opportunity to meet on these trips have also continued to reach out and support the veteran community in their own way, whether they have us come down to their home courses and invite us or whatever that may be, they, they've kept in touch too. And, and you see the impact not only it has amongst the veterans, but the ambassadors as well, to be in that environment and experience. And again, it's just, it's just a beautiful thing. And what I also love about Fairways for Freedom being a nonprofit directly the funding goes directly to the program itself and the veterans like they mentioned earlier there's no salaries being taken from roger or patricia the money's all donated and uh, it goes directly you know to to the program itself to allow us these opportunities so because of covid over the last uh, year and a half when we weren't able to do our international trips you know and travel and be quarantined and all that we've created some smaller regional trips basically hosted by an ambassador in that person's area. So we have one, for example, who lives in Delaware. He brought a group of four veterans down um, and they played some courses in Delaware. Jason, you were on that trip, I think. Yes, and uh, just for two days, you know, one night overnight and just play. So I think you guys went out crabbing one day or something yeah, on his yeah, boat. That's great. And, and so we've tried to encourage the ambassadors to do that, just smaller regional trips until we can kind of start doing our big trips again. A oh, good idea. Yeah, still do that. Exactly. No, I love that. Um, Jason, yesterday I talked to a former NBA All-Star who suffered with chronic depression and anxiety after retiring from the NBA several years ago. And um, for now, we'll remain nameless, but you'll see when the episode airs. And he mentioned that at one point he was basically homebound for about eight months you know despite having a wife and kids who were going out and particularly for the kids activities and this kind of thing was just as you mentioned felt out of control in public places and on the road and this kind of thing um in contrast what you're talking about is essentially forest bathing in a way you know it's it's kind of like the Shin, shinrin yuko um practice from japan which translates roughly as forest bathing jason what impact do you think just being out um, the camaraderie, obviously, of being in a group, but being out in nature and the wind, obviously, on the Lynx courses, particularly in Scotland and Ireland. But um, just that um, combination of, you know, the group dynamic, but then also being able to be active in nature. What, what impact do you think that has on your own mental health and your own mindset um, and kind of the, the opposite experience of that NBA veteran had where he just felt like he needed to shelter in, in his home almost because his yeah. depression anxiety was that extensive no I, I can i can relate to the gentleman that you're speaking of because many of us have been in that situation i i as well and i i have a loving wife and stepdaughter and but you know i just locked myself in a basement or a room and i, I would stay there for weeks at end or months you know trying to avoid any outside simulation but it was my first um not first introduction but i realized being out in nature there's something I mean, nature itself is just, it's just soothing, relaxing. It's a safe environment, but on a golf course for me, it's not only the game of golf, but like, as we mentioned, but it's the beauty. It, it allows you the time to sit and, and realize how beautiful, not only that the golf course may be, but just really the world in that moment of peace and, and serenity and hearing, hearing the sounds of nature, the birds and the, you know, the sound of the ball hitting the club. It, it's just, 
it's just therapeutic for me personally. It's just one of those experiences that I can't duplicate or replicate that anywhere else in other things that I've tried. And I've, and I've gone, as we mentioned, we talked a little earlier about, like I've skied and I've done different things, but for me, the golf course is, is that place where I truly find this inner peace that I, I'm unable to find anywhere else. Or if I go on a hike, a solo hike somewhere, I live near the Appalachian Trail, so I get to do that. But there's something, again, about sharing those experiences with others. Um, I do like to be very independent and solo. And when I allow myself to go out of my comfort zone and go to a golf course and play amongst other people, I'm still at the level where I only play with people I know or someone that, you know, they introduce us in an environment. I want to get to the level where I can just show up at a local course and, hey, I'm a single. I'd love to join your group. I'm not there yet. Um, that's, that's actually one of my goals that I've been working towards. But as you said, Phil, there's just something about being in the nature and being amongst, as Jim said, we talked about connection and being with others, but yeah, nature, I think, has one of the most powerful human qualities we can look for. And one of the great things about these beautiful courses Roger finds for us is that they are in beautiful places yeah. and they're far away. Um, I was not disappointed at all when we couldn't get on St. Andrews because St. Andrews is such a crowded, busy factory. place. Yeah. Um, it was really far better for us to be way up it's in true. places like, like Royal Dornick. And, and we really see it in a way as, as replacement therapy, where these veterans have had such, such horrific experiences and images mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that I cannot even imagine. But I do want to give them the chance to, to replace that mm -hmm. with these these beautiful surroundings that hopefully they'll keep with them. And one of the great things about Ballyluffin, it's so hard to get there, but that's one of the beauties of it too. It's way, it's farther north in Northern Ireland. It's in this Inishowen Peninsula, way up in the northwest of Ireland. Thirty-six holes. Wild West Coast. Yeah, thirty-six holes. Nothing but links, golf holes, and the sea. You see the ocean from every hole of all 36 holes it's really a special place and i think our veterans love that so we'll always keep going back there and that's that's the kind of place we, yeah. we try to yeah. find just yeah. awe-inspiring it stories are the magic of life and being able to for for jason and others to share their story about their trauma and what they experienced with each other um is important and then they and then they form all these great stories from the golf trip itself uh which right. is really cool uh patricia any any other fun uh or helpful little coping tools or techniques or uh, strategies you like to share with the veterans um, or any golf tips <laughs> for us. I always like saying it's only a bad shot if you react badly to it. Uh, I think that's, I try to remind myself of that. And then real quick, Jason, uh, you'll get a kick out of this. I had a client that uh, once told me, he said, you know, I used to have road rage, but I don't anymore. And I said, well, what do you mean? What, 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 how are you thinking about it differently? Or what did, what are you doing differently? And he said, well, I bought this little toy ray gun. And I put it on the dashboard of my car. And so when a car cuts me off, I just press the button on the toy ray gun. <laughs> and it makes this fun noise and then it has all these, you know, like kind of uh, you know, lights up and and he and it just makes them laugh and it gives them perspective. And, you know, and and so I thought that that was funny. Just coming up with these little strategies and being creative about them, I think is a lot of fun. But anything else, Patricia, that kind of leaps to mind? I know you have a million tools in your toolbox. Well, one that I've gotten some good uh, feedback on. Is the think box? I thought you were going to say the bus. Oh, that's give us both. Tell us yeah. both. 
Yeah, two for one deal here. Yeah. Um, well, the think box play box, I think is good. Um, we do this practicing a golf shot where we will actually draw two squares um, or a square and a rectangle. And the one box is where we think. So it's when we come up to our shot after we've taken our mental vacation, we start approaching our shot, thinking about it. We stand looking at our target. So we are thinking, and this is fine. We actually want to think in the past, you know, okay, 150 yards, it's windy. What club have I hit successfully in this situation? Think to the future, look ahead. Okay, here's the trouble on this shot. So we're analyzing, we're thinking, and there's a time and place for it, and that's where it is. But then when we walk to address the ball, we're now in our play box, and these thoughts go away. And although I think, I think it's something like 10,000 hours of meditation, um, Tibetan monks go through before they can totally clear their mind. So I, I don't ask people to totally clear their mind, but to maybe have a cue, uh, maybe a visual cue um, and or a verbal cue, a word or two when they're over the ball, but to get pretty much in the, in the present, we take the club back, address the ball. So having this ability to shift one's mind, as I mentioned earlier, like from broad to narrow, from analytical to the more, more intuitive to the present. Just being aware of when am I thinking of past, present, and future. And of course, most of us are hardly ever in, in the present. I, I did a, a seminar once, this large seminar, about 80 people, and I often start by asking people to just let their minds wander. And I say, I'm not going to ask you what you were thinking, but you know how many were thinking of something in the past, how many something in the future, how many in the present. And in this particular instance, someone had his son with him. He was maybe 10 years old, and he was the only one who was in the present. Um, so again, just, just having that awareness, knowing it's really important, but no, it's not for all the time. But being able to kind of have what we call metacognition, to be, you know, thinking about our thinking, to be aware of it is, again, something that's not only great on the golf course, but but great in life. And now, if I must. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, go on, Roger. Push this. Bus. I mean, so, I have, so this, I've this only is, heard about the bus. I haven't seen it. This is a common one amongst I think Jason's probably done it. Um, so... We line up our chairs in a group session in twos and pretend we're on a bus. And then one brave volunteer decides to be the bus driver. So it's easy to say, it's easy to sit around in group and say, okay, you know, we're going to meditate, uh, put all your bad thoughts away, or, you know, if someone's anxious, you know, Forget all those bad thoughts, put them away. Well, that doesn't, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in real life. So what we do, the bus driver is driving and has the goal of, well, in our case, of driving to the golf course. 
And each individual in the bus represents thoughts, thoughts that get in our way. And so the, the veterans that are on the bus get to holler out um, the demons, the demons that are in our minds of, you know, terrible things that could happen, how terrible a person is, you know, whatever. Shank. Insults mm. and, yeah. Um, it's the bus driver's job to get there anyway. It's the bus mm. driver's job to say, okay, thoughts, I know you're there, but you know what? I've got a job to do and I've got to get this bus to my goal. So sometimes people might say to me, well, why doesn't the bus driver just throw them off the bus? Well, bus driver could do that, but then who's going to get back on the bus? <laughs> okay, so it might be just as bad or worse. But anyway, the whole point is that the, the bus driver is able to still focus on his goal, get to where he's going, despite what else is going on. So again, not having them take control, so it's all about control, of taking control of the situation, despite whatever anything else is going on, putting those things kind of in their place. So that's, that's another fun one. Everybody gets to yell and whoop and holler. I love that just even, you know, describing it, but then actually to actually, you know, to do that as in a, in a kind of group exercise, that's really powerful. I bet that's, I love that. Thanks for sharing both of those tips. I've only heard the bus from afar, but it gets loud. <laughs> it gets loud in there. Yeah. You're what's Rowdy. going on in there. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, definitely golfers have that with three putts and, you know, yeah. hitting it and <laughs> with all the trouble and hazards out there. But I love that is just keep, you know, you got a job to do, keep your eyes focused, you know, on your target. And I like, you know, the whole thing about shifting from, in, you know, internal to external and from broad to narrow. And then between shots, go on a little mini vacation, a mental vacation and enjoy your day. I love that. Jim, could you maybe share the snapback tri trick with the wristband for, for listeners that maybe aren't familiar with that and what that means in terms of what we were talking about with Jason earlier in terms of practicing presentness and being where your club is, being where your feet are. Yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, another cheap, cheap uh, technique that we could all use. Uh, uh, and it's an old kind of sports psychology uh, tool, but uh, just to simply wear a rubber band. And when you notice that you're stuck in the past or, you know, time traveling to the future, when you have a job to do in the present, uh, you just snap the rubber band and, you know, not so much that it really hurts, but you get, a, you know, a little bit of a feel there and, um, and just tell yourself, snap back, snap back to this moment, um, you know, be here, be all in, you know, those kind of things. And so uh, just the physical act of snapping the rubber band, you know, and, and hearing it and feeling it can really bring you back to where your feet are. So that's a fun one to choose on the golf course or just throughout one's day. Well, to speak to speak to that, Jim, I don't know if you can see, but I wear I wear a bracelet and it's, a, mm -hmm. it's made of lava stone. One, it represents um, the guys I lost in combat. But two, it, it's also just kind of what you spoke to. It's a, a way for me. It's a kind of a meditation I can do. I just kind of run it through my hands and I'll count the beads as I'm if I'm feeling anxiety or overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And it just it's something I can do quietly to myself. No one really needs to know what's going on, but it'll it's another grounding technique for myself. So it just kind of, when you mentioned the, the rubber band, it just made me think of that as well. So it's, 
very, perfect. Yeah, perfect. Very useful for me. I love that. Well, this has been such a treat. Um, Patty, I know you have a hard stop pretty soon. So can you just summarize um, where people can find out more about this? Uh, I almost said ministry because I almost view it you know, <laughs> through a church lens like it is yeah. a ministry. Um, more about uh, about Fairways for Freedom. Wh where can people contact you, um, get involved either as an ambassador or, or any veteran or even somebody that's like, well, hey, I run a company and I'm not really a golf guy or girl, but I'd sure love to donate to this. How can people find you? How can people get involved? Yes, well, the simplest way would be to go to our own website, fairwaysforfreedom.us. And from there, they can contact us. Veterans can contact us or future ambassadors or just curious people. And we will get back to them. Yeah, there's a donate button on there. But make sure it's .us. That's important. And I, I think there's um, an interview we mm -hmm. have on mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. um, Park Harrington is on Padre there. Harrington is a supporter of Fairways for Freedom. He did a there. video for us. We have... Um, Lots of pictures from our trips yep. that'll give people an idea of what we do. Our mission is there, so it's it's fairly inclusive. Mm -hmm. Give people a, a good idea of of what we're doing. But yeah, that's the simplest way to reach out, and we're happy to follow up by email, from call, or Zoom. And and there are so many ways to get involved. And there there is a way to email us through the website, and then we can put somebody on our. Um newsletter. We have a monthly newsletter as well. So we, we're always happy to do that. Yeah. And I, lo I love the tagline, empowering in, uh, injured veterans um, mm -hmm. through Fairways for Freedom. What, what a great way to put it. And, and that's exactly what you're doing. Yeah. Well, this has been a real pleasure. Thank, thanks to all three of you for, for sharing your time and insight and expertise. And um, yeah, again, Jason, thank you so much for your service and the way that you're continuing to serve this community um, and also to educate, you know, it sounds like you have a real passion for education, a real passion for, for leadership and servant leadership, particularly and, and Patty and Roger, you're, you're, you're true teammates and true servant leaders as well. So thank you for all you do. We really appreciate you and, and uh, all the, all your great efforts and, and all the lives that you've managed to, to save, um, to impact and also the level of awareness that you're raising about these, these two, uh, 22, veterans um every day who are who are claiming their lives and many others who are suffering with self-harm issues depression anxiety so we really appreciate you um serving your country by serving those who who have done likewise well it's our pleasure you know yeah, I mean, thank you both we do nothing compared to the to the jasons of the of the world i mean they're the ones that we look up to so Thank You're you. our hero jason yeah well thanks. jason gets the last word then <laughs> thanks jason well, <laughs> Again, thank you. Thank you, Phil and Jim, for having having us here today and Roger and Patty for what they created. And, um, you know, often we hear the, the golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated. I'd like to kind of twist that and call it maybe the platinum rule. How about we treat others the way they, they want to be treated? You know, if we that. start treating people the way they want to be treated rather than the way we want to be treated, I think we might live in a better place. Um, everybody has a story. We just have to, you know, be open and willing to listen to it. So I encourage everybody out there, you know, just realize when you're encountering somebody, they have a story too. So take the time to sit and listen to it. And uh, thank you for allowing me to share a little bit about my story and my experience with Fairways for Freedom. Appreciate it. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, 
please tell your friends about the Champion Conversations podcast and rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your platform of choice. You can also follow Jim on Twitter at Gold Medal Mind. Go out and be a champion today, and we'll see you back here next week.